0: If Reality Check Radio enriches your day in life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and the dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit forward slash donate And today we welcome back to Greenwashed uh, Jos Ubel's, the Farmer Defence Force Vice President in the Netherlands. We um, had him on late September last year, and we forget with all that's going on in Europe that's not being talked about in New Zealand's mainstream media, we need to get um, Jos back to talk about what's happening over there. But first of all, welcome back, Jos. Great to have you. How's your day been and what is a standard day for you down on the farm before you get out and do your farmer advocacy work?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, I'm very happy to be on the show again. Last uh, last time was a very nice show and I uh, appreciate uh, you reaching out for Europe. Um, and I think it's very important that all the farmers around the world are seeing what's going down right now in Europe because it's coming everywhere. And uh, it's, a, it's a very awful situation for a lot of farmers here. Yeah, what, what, what does my day look like? Yeah, well, uh, you're correct. I am advocacy for farmers, so uh, I have a lot of different schedules than normal farmers. But um, I'm lucky that um, the most of my days are pretty usual as a farmer so i start in the morning this morning i started with loading bulls for the slaughterhouse so i load them at uh, uh like um 30 minutes past five so in the morning and then i started the tractor started feeding um i do my feeding rounds it cost me till like eight or nine o'clock then i drink uh, coffee with my mom and dad uh, they live close to the farm then I continue my work on the farm by bedding and taking care of all the youngsters, the calves, and everything. Um, I do inspections if they're still healthy, everything, and then um, I can proceed with uh, normal farm duty works. Yeah,
0: right. So it uh, it sounds uh, sort of similar to what a New Zealand farmer would do, although you do quite a bit of indoor farming as well, by by the sound of it. So look, similar but on the other side of the planet. So. Go back to 2019 and the formation of the Farmers Defence Force. Uh, What's been the, uh, and then the development of the BBB and the whole lot of different uh, aspects of of Dutch governance. What's been the growth in the Farmers Defence Force and is it still managing to garner support, get donations, get funding and uh, grow in popularity?
1: Well, first of all, um, before 2019, the farmers in the Netherlands and uh, throughout Europe actually were uh, used to the fact that they were on constant pressure of society, but mostly of the politics and the media, that they should take care of their animals uh, better, that they should change their farm for the better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and farmers usually react on this um, because we are not ignorant to customers. Yes, we, we understand yes. that if the customer base is changing and we want, we, we need to do something better. We, we try to do this. Uh, we are also uh, always in for changes if they are for the better so uh, we did a lot uh, but then suddenly after all the things we did in the netherlands we were in the top five of uh environmental friendly and animal friendly uh, producers of the world and then suddenly some politicians said that we should cut 50 percent of our livestock in 2019 um and and yeah a lot of farmers couldn't believe their ears because they invested millions of euros in um, upgrading uh, the way they have their husbandry and their, their their farms, um, and then suddenly they have to cut fifty percent of their animals. It's it's like saying to somebody that just build a new house with a new mortgage that they can only live with half of the family there. So it, it's stupid and it's really weird that they tried this on us. Um, but it, actually, it was at the moment pretty good because. This politician, uh, he triggered some sort of reaction all out uh, uh, around the farmers. They, they all stood up and said, okay, enough is enough. We did everything and we still are doing a lot, uh, but we, we want to be treated correctly. Uh, you, you can't steal our, uh, our property or steal our way of living. So then uh, there was this base for a farmer's defense force. We were trying to protect farmers that got invaded by envi- environmental activists. And this was actually the spin-off, and later we have this huge protest uh, in Den Haag, the first one, in uh, 2019, October. And uh, yeah, it was amazing that so many farmers took the took the effort to take their tractor, to go to the center uh, city of, of, of the Netherlands. Um, yeah, some of them, uh, amongst me, myself, I, I sat on the tractor for eight hours before I was there. Um, uh, but, of course, for a farmer, eight hours on the tractor is nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what can I say? It was a, it was a really busy period, and now we come into calm waters uh, uh, as as an organization, because uh, Farmers Defense Force is an adult organization now. We have good members, we have a good solid base, um, we have everything uh, in, in order, and we can we can do our normal tasks as a Farmers Defense Force. So this is successful, um, but there is a lot going on um, in Europe now. The protests are uh, swelling, and the protests are not only swelling; they are also getting pretty aggressive. Mainly in France, there is it's, it's extreme what the farmers are doing there. I understand them, but it, it's extreme.
2: It is, and you know we've spent this uh, summer time, and we were on a hiatus on Reality Check Radio for six weeks. We've spent the summer l- watching over, you know, YouTube or Facebook feeds, feeds from Europe, because our media out here has had a complete. Pretty much a blanket uh, curtain on this that we are not covering this, almost pretending that there's, there's nothing happening. And yet, when I look at feeds, I've, I've looked at a reel of yours that got 45,000 reactions and uh, talking about, of course, the old favorite, Klaus Schwab, and other things. It is surreal to think that in this day and age, they actually, the media is, believes that people are so stupid in this set of globalization that you don't know what's what's going on. And I am looking at the donations that have been pouring onto your uh, web page, that is farmersdefenseforce.nl. And when the comments that people are putting on with, this is a 25-euro uh, donation, we the citizens are behind you en masse. The government has betrayed the country to the new world order. away to the end. The EU and the national policy must go. Are, your, are these farmers or are your... Town people, are your urban Dutch people? Are they supporting you? Are they seeing what's happening?
1: Yeah, well, the, of course they're seeing what's happening. Um, I think uh, um, the, the numbers that support us are huge. Yeah. I think the only the only ones you can see that the, the elites that are sitting in in their offices in the Hague, the politicians, the heads of the media that get funded by uh, by the government with, um, for example, eight. 100 million euro is uh, poured into one media uh, uh, company by the government, and this media company is uh, fully in favor of the government, of course. But um, people are getting sick and tired of this. They say enough is enough and they support the farmers uh, fully. You can see that not only on our website, we can see this everywhere. Uh, there is a, a an urge for change you can see this also in um, with the elections uh, people are choosing radically different than they chose ever before there is no no person in the netherlands that voted for the same same political parties as they did in the past so they are everything changes and uh, we just had elections and um the biggest party in the netherlands now is pvv and is actually a, a right wing party well, this is for Dutch standards, pretty, uh, pretty new. Mm. Um yeah, it's ra- actually they're 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 not that radical, but of course they are way more radical than uh, the central parties that we have uh, have heard of before. Um, but you see that people are sick and tired of what's what's there now, so they just want change, they, they don't care what kind of change as long as it's change. Um, so this this is. Uh, um, this is weird. And, and I want to comment on the part that you say that the media is silent in, in New Zealand about what's going on here. But it's not only there. It's, um, the media in the Netherlands is, is very, um, very good in showing only the, the small demos, uh, the big ones they try to evade, uh, to, to, to get out of their pictures. And they, they do a lot about this. And even I spoke with our German colleagues that were on the streets the last weeks for uh, in huge numbers. One of their protests in one region was 100,000 people, uh, farmers there with tractors. And uh, on the news you could see some of it, but not the huge amounts that were really there. And it appears that uh, you have the public traffic camps all through uh, all throughout Germany. You can uh, everybody can log in there and can see the traffic in Germany. Um, but uh, from the 22 of November or something like that. I'm not sure about the date. They turned out all traffic camps throughout Germany, so there is no public uh, allowed to see the traffic cam- cam- um, uh, camps in Germany because they're, they are just blocked. Um, so this is a sign that they're trying to hide what's going on, and this is this is it's it's amazing that they do this because it's 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 just showing off how vulnerable we are as a as a community and how strong they think they are
0: well if it's any consolation um well it won't be uh new zealand in the last six years had a government that um instigated a concept called the public interest journalism fund we thought we were screwed over at 55 million new zealand dollars and maybe quite a bit more but that's what we we're told it was 55 million um i have a feeling it doubled but you're talking 800 million euro to buy the media um yeah just
1: what just one man eh? it's just one media company and they yeah. buy them and and this they, they speak just the language of the government whatever they want they they, they sell it to us
0: wow look uh, so for our listeners in new zealand there you go that that that's this this stuff doesn't end well um you can't have that sort of bias going on and of course going back to your country, the Hague is sort of like the the epicenter of everything around um, the sort of policies that you're with, probably in sync with Brussels and and Strasbourg and, and others, yeah. um, the, the European Commission, the European Union. Isn't it an arrogance when I'm reading the OECD report um, on the Netherlands from August last year, that they say that Uh, for all the amalgamations, for all the consolidations of farming and horticulture in in the Netherlands, your your total um, factor productivity stats are not great. Now, for me, that says a whole lot about bureaucracy, not knowing much. Um, And, in fact, what it also says to me is that the bureaucrats are... probably putting more pressure on the environment than anybody else, that the way they're feeding themselves, like the 800 million going into the journalism fund or the media, um, the feeding of the every bureaucrat in the Hague, the only way that gets paid for is by the use of the environment. So what's the pushback on bureaucracy? Um, The protests are big, but what is it are those people sitting in um, in the in the boardroom chairs in the Hague taking any notice?
1: No, no, they're not. They're not. I, I don't know if this is ignorance or this is just um, they are scared. Maybe to to, to ch- try to to yeah change for them. I don't know if it's even possible. You know, the people that are there, they are so woven into the system. They have uh, they have their contacts with the media. They have their um, they have their jobs. They have their side jobs. They have so many uh, things that are woven into the the system, and the system is corrupt, is broken. And uh, the only thing that can change that is change the people that are sitting there, and uh, then you can change the system from in.
0: And so, how's you're all involved in the European Union? It strikes me that. Uh, and I have written a uh, read of a concept called Nexit, where the Netherlands would pull out of uh, the European Union uh, or other countries are starting to get a bit of uh, the European Union, is starting to get a bit antsy about it all. Are you, what's your feeling? Do you want to stay in the European Union? Uh, is it a benefit to you? Uh, is it uh, I know you've got um, a- agreements with the European Union and South American countries. Um, we have them with you as well. Uh is there, a, is there any sort of common ground here
1: well we, we are we are speaking about different things i think you you have of course we have the european union as as it is now and we have uh, european trade mm-hmm. and of course european trade for farmers uh, especially for dutch farmers is very important we we do a lot of trade and i think it's healthy because you you should milk cows in regions where you can milk cows pretty good and should grow potatoes in regions where they are uh where they grow well so it, it's not smart to do everything inside one region you should uh, you have to you need transport you need a trade this is normal but um and it's also smart to make trade agreements because some of your trades are uh not your best trades and some of them are very strong so if you make agreements with other countries you can interchange those uh trades so it, it's not bad but It started to be stupid. Uh, They designed the European Union a long time ago and the plan was not bad because we're all small countries uh, with high standards and uh, the world is uh, changing rapidly around us. So uh, there is always a war uh, trying to be yeah, somewhere or starting to happen. So it, it's strong to bind, bind together, to 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 hold each other's hands in, in, in this evil world. This is not stupid. Um, the stupid thing is that if you do something, you should do it all the way. If I pull my pants in the morning, I don't pull half a pants. I pull a full pants because otherwise it's stupid. So if you start the European Union from the beginning on, they said, OK, we will be a European Union. But all the members want their own uh government they want their own everything so uh let's let them be you know let them do their own thing let them have their own currency maybe later we can change this and uh then suddenly uh it appeared that if we have all a different financial system that we are not that strong together. So I think if they started European Union uh, in the beginning, they should said, okay, we need one financial system. We need, we are one union, we need one currency and one financial system. At the moment, we don't have one financial system, but we have almost one currency. So it, it's it's just, everything is done halfway. So uh, yeah, next it I'm not sure. It's a difficult question as a farmer because all the trades, but um my father always taught me you get you can make way more money if you sell one cow every day if you sell all the cows in one day so i think if you make several agreements uh with several countries you get better agreements than you do it in one package deal so there are pros and cons to the consent.
0: yeah so it's um it's a it's a vexed issue i know you have just listening to you Jos um you have the same sort of issues we have in New Zealand you've you've done all you can by answering the call to the environmentalism and the animal welfare uh, lobbies and the whole lot you've answered the call but it hasn't been good enough and it's the same here I mean in your country I think you get some payments to do it um in New Zealand we get nothing but it's never good enough it's never good enough the 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 end of the road is never in sight. Um, You think you're just there and they find another way to tax and come at you and and undermine your confidence. And so same thing, different side of the planet, but with a different dynamic driving it. So can we just go back? Sorry, and that was a bit of a statement. Can we just go back? I want to hear a little bit more about your government change. I mean, Mark Rutter um, had his his bum smacked and and he was kicked a bit. Um, What's he trying to do now? Is he trying to form a coalition uh, and retain his his base or is get Wilders, um, is he absolutely in power and got a really strong coalition together?
1: Well first of all, um, uh, I think that Hi uh, Wilders has a very strong position at the moment, uh, not only because he had he won the elections by far. But you're seeing now in uh, all the polls that if there were new elections, if they will not reach an agreement together, uh, we have new elections, yes? If they don't found a new coalition, we have re-elections. But in the re-elections, he will be three times bigger. So he's now already the biggest one. So if we have re-elections, it will be uh, uh, three times stronger. He He can rule the country almost by himself. This is not possible, of course. We we have more seats than uh, than he can take. But um, this is the situation. So this shows that um, they have to cooperate. They have to have a coalition. If not, he's getting stronger. So this is a very good position at the moment for his party and also for the farmers, I think. And uh, I w- just want to shout out to the people in, 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 in your country, but also all over the world, Um, I never thought that going onto the streets, take a stance for yourself, take a stance for farmers, uh, get up and do something, that it will actually help. I always thought that it's a bigger system and what can you do by yourself. But I'm I'm one of them that stood up together with a, a, a bunch of them. And we stood up and we changed everything, actually, because it's still not good enough and we're still not there. But. I never had thought that the country would chose so differently on the elections. And this is, this is only caused by the farmers going on the streets, by uh, uh, showing that the media is not correct, by opening up uh, the mess that they made. And uh, this is the, uh, something that everybody should take uh, take notice of. And you can bring change, for sure.
2: I couldn't agree with you more, Joss. Yes. A few years ago, my husband and I, about a decade and a half ago, we migrated to New Zealand. We had looked around that time. Farming was getting harder in India. Yeah, the same things. I think the same things have followed us here. But 15 years, when we look back, we saw New Zealand has no subsidies. We had family in North America. We chose to emigrate here because we wanted to go to a country that stands up on its own. without Because India is completely subsidy driven, you know, very small land holdings. And came here and 15 years later, we are dealing with the same issues here. But I think somewhere along the line, seeing the massive Indian farmers protest two years ago and what's happening in Europe right now, I am just like you. I'm encouraged because for a very long time, I think farmers have been guilty of not looking beyond the farm gate. You know, oh, let's just comply. Let's just do one more thing. Oh, they just want this paper signed. Oh, oh, just a small form. Let's just do this. And slowly they realized they walked into a spider web, the tentacles are everywhere, and it is time to face the writing on the wall. While well, I can't uh, say, you know, Don and his time when he led the New Zealand the Federated Farmers, uh, it was different. But I can definitely, Don, from that time at now, see New Zealand can definitely take a leaf out of uh, the page of European farmers, we need to be standing up because the same thing, the same policies of nitrogen, the same thing that affected Sri Lanka, Close, you know, overnight go organic. The same thing you have Nature 2000. We have another excuse, that's our waterways. Whatever excuses they give, the end goal is still the same. And the other thing that's happened is governments now, slowly over time, have outsourced democracy, have outsourced power to your non-governmental organizations, like this uh, Dutch chemist of yours, and I can never pronounce his name, uh, Johan Jahan Wallenbroek, the fellow who's... you no, know, am yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: NGOs like his, we have NGOs here, non-governmental organizations, and they seem to be having the ear of the government far more than an ordinary citizen, an ordinary farmer like me or Don or anyone else would have. And it is the same modus operandi, isn't it? They work the same way. All of these, regardless of which country they are in.
1: Yeah, it, it's true. But the, the actually, the, the, if if you look into that, I I, I thought about this uh, many many times. How is the how, how is it working? Yeah, how is mm. it possible that people uh, that have nothing to do with farming have so much effect on farming? Yeah. Um. But, but but then if you realize that. It, Actually, it sounds kind of funny, but they have the time. <laughs> they have the time. They are sitting yeah. in their houses and they think, "Okay, what should we do today?" If you look into them, the most of the activists that are in NGOs are not hardworking activists. They are activists because they had nothing to do. They are leeches. And it's funny. It's funny, but it's the truth. Um, and it's very it's very awful to see that uh the young farmers and the and, and even the, the older farmers that are uh they, they worked their butts off all their life and they 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 work work from dust to done and they do everything and they are still going onto their tractors after they did all the work and go protesting yeah. <laughs> protesting it, we needed to do this, but we don't want this. Yeah, it's not it's not in our blood. No. But now I I I have smelled blood, so I will keep hunting now.
0: Yeah. Uh, good on you, because that, that's exactly right. I mean, I've thought exactly like you as a young man, um, and I used to be in the state sector in New Zealand. I used to work for the government before I went farming. And I just don't know how people can sit in their offices and devise how to uh, make it harder for farmers. And that's what we did. We made it harder for farmers all the time. All all because we we're told the market and the market needs it. That's Needed. the excuse. The market needs it. The consumers of the world actually want safe and trusted food. That's what they want. And all the cost structures that we've had added to us make food dearer for consumers, not cheaper. And yet, at the same time, these same people in their in their suits um, are telling the world that. Um, uh, farmers um, are, are sort of these these people that are taking too much from the environment at the very same time that they're putting more pressure on farming to take more from the environment. So there's a massive contradiction. And these people, as you talk about, they go to work um, uh, and you think they've got our best interests at heart because they are, and they are actually consumers. They actually do spend money and they do demand... Uh, you know goods and services like we do but actually what added value are they and I think that's the question that is now the question, the redistribution outside the farm gate the the taking of unearned increments out of every gram of beef you produce has just got too much and you're feeling it in, in the Netherlands, we're feeling it here the sheep and beef farmers in this country are just uh, at the end of their tether right now um, and Something's got to give. Bureaucracy's got to back out. The NGOs have got to stop having the power. So we've got to have the power back in the people. And I yeah I know this is a big statement, but Jos, yes, I am in I think we have a different way of approaching it, but I think I in awe of the um of the protests and the organizations that are behind the protests in in your countries. And I just wish we would have some more unity around the world on these issues forget about the protectionist trade stuff it's about sovereignty for the family farm and the operations of the individual that's the problem and i see you've had um, massive farm amalgamations and uh, consolidations over the last 20 years so is new zealand the end game there is where the family farm is gone well we're a long way from it we're a long way from it, but it's very much worth protecting. And I think, Jos, at the base at the, at your heart, that's the base of your thinking. The family farm. Am I am I right? Is that what's key in driving you? The sanctity of the family farm?
1: You know, of course, of course, of course. Family farms are are the base in which We survived so many problems throughout, uh, for decades, you know, weather issues, uh, uh, sickness and animals, uh, everything is survived not by, because we're only money driven. We are not, we are not money driven. We are driven for the fact that we are a farmer and farmer is a way, being a farmer is a way of living. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you are a farmer by heart. Um, uh, And of course we are also businessmen and we also want to make money. This is, this is not weird. Making money is not bad. Yeah, it's a good thing. Um, but at the same time, we also put our hearts and energy in this. Um, uh, so I think uh, protecting uh, family farms is very important. But I also think that um, the vi- variety of, of farms uh, worldwide and also inside of the country it is way more important than uh, just looking only into family farming. I think, for example, we have um, uh, we have very uh, uh, environmental, uh, extensive uh, farming in the Netherlands as well. But we have also very intensively uh, high-gain, high-producing uh, farms. Yep. So I think both of them are needed because we learn from each other and we get stronger by understanding e- each other's way of farming. And if it's all just one way of farming, uh, we we will get weaker. So, yeah, protecting family farms is very important. And I I think also that um, uniting worldwide and uniting uh, even in in Europe, we are doing it now very strongly. I think one of the things that we are as FDF doing right now is building a a Europe-wide base of Farmers Defense Force. Um, uh, Farmers Defence Force Belgium uh, was founded a half a year ago, they are very strong now, they had their first big protests in uh, Belgium now, but they also have their people speaking with the government, so this is going on, they have their memberships, everything, Uh, we are building the same in Germany, um, in Poland. Uh, And we do this in all the countries in Europe, and uh, this is uh, regarding the Farmers' Defense Force, but we we are also trying to cooperate with young farmers and and, and with active farmer organizations all over. Um, But the problem is some of them are also invaded by this governmental system that is broken. And, for example, uh, one of the biggest organizations in the Netherlands is the LTO, Um, Of course, there are farmers working there that try to protect farming in the Netherlands. They do their job because they think it's good for, for the farmers. Of course, they are there. But the main base of this organization is paid by the government. They do governmental projects and they get big amounts of money for this. Um, once I had a huge argument with one of their big leaders uh, that said to me that uh, I don't understand how the world works because you need big money to achieve big things. Uh, And I said to him, it's it's really stupid that you think like that because uh, you don't make big money with big money. You make big money with big effort. And if you try to, to, to just accept money from the government, you will also put your mouth to the government because that's where your food is coming from. That's why you, you were paid by the government. So you talk like the government. And I said, you have, uh, I know that the memberships of the biggest organization in agriculture in the Netherlands had many, many years. Uh, it's not, I don't know the numbers now, but many, many years when they were far the biggest one, ju- just after they consolidated together, they had something like eight hundred. Million euro. They had these amounts of money. And you know what they did? They spent it on so many different things, and nothing happened. I said to them, You you should check your numbers because with these amounts of money, you could buy the biggest retail company in the Netherlands. And now, then you would have now not only a biggest farmers organization, but also the biggest retail company in the Netherlands. Then you would have helped the farmers way better than you did now. But now they're just governmental funded and they're close to to the government. They can speak there every day. They enjoy this very much.
2: Yeah, and and we've got something similar here. Uh, You know, you have discussion groups, you have farmers, liaison community liaison groups and all of this. And supposedly all of them are working to a, reducing emissions or improving water quality in a particular area or fencing off a particular stream. But when you look closer at the sort of material, you know, the literature, these guys are told, you know, you need to study this. This is what's in your streams and so on. All of these groups are infested with NGOs, NGOs that are funded by the government. And most farmers are very happy to be reducing, say, their methane footprint or their emission levels without having Ever. And I mean, ever in their lives questioned the science behind it. Ever in their life asked a question, right, how much will this reduce the climate's warming by? Or there's just the standard thing now. We've got an an NGO that has declared that a quarter of all New Zealanders are at risk for bowel cancer because of nitrates in the water. Now, that's just accepted. No one questions the assumptions and the presuppositions behind them. And you have farmers, you have, we now have a farming MP who's in government and ex, he actually held the position that Don Nicholson he, held as national head of federated farmers, who's now gone into a parliament. He has made it there in the last elections. And these guys completely believe this. They had never questioned and they believed that they farmers need to be doing more to appease NGOs like Greenpeace and others. And don't that that worries me. That worries me. You know who I'm talking about here.
0: I do. <laughs> I do. Of course. Um. And Andy, sorry. Oh God. Yes. And and you ask you you don't need to know about all of that. But uh, other than that, we have similar issues here. And and I don't know how we. Uh, well, I think these discussions are helping be the circuit breaker for us as well. Uh, as uh, to, speaking to you gives a bit of context international context and just as an adjunct to what jaspreets just said yesterday i had uh caused to read the german farmers association website and it didn't fill me with hope that that was no different to what jaspreets just talked about in new zealand that they are very much uh wanting to be in the pocket of um of all agencies uh whether it's um uh, kaupa, uh or ko- kojika or copa all these things that are talking about harmonization of rules around the world but on the face of it it sounds fantastic i was seduced by it all 20 years ago as well so look i'm i'm guilty but it's not it's not going to work it just feeds the machine of the of the of of the hague and 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 brussels and and where else um have you had it? So you've just mentioned about the LTO. I want to go back and ask you. Then, have you undermined the LTO to such an extent that they're losing their relevancy? Because it's funny. that's it's what's, funny just... I, I think. That's what's happening here, actually, in New Zealand as well.
1: Well, it's yeah. it's funny. It's funny because I um, yeah. Okay, first of all, we, we were in very good contact with the opposition, uh, political opposition, yeah, logically, because we were not in front of the government. So uh, the sitting parties there were not in front of us because we protested against them. But of course, the, uh, the opposition was also, also always leeching on this. Yeah, they, they love that we go into uh, um to attack the the sitting coalition because they know if there be re-elections they have a big chance of winning. Yeah, but at the same time this also brought us very close to these politicians. We had lots of contact with them, with the biggest uh, persons of their party. Uh, we all have their phone numbers. We have uh, we we talk with them on a daily basis. Yeah, so now when the elections changed like 180 degrees. Everything is now in our favor because those people said to us, "Okay, we we know that you want change and uh, there is change now. Um, So now you see that LTO, for example, is uh, one, one of the biggest organizations in the Netherlands. But lots of farmers just said no the last three years to them. They they, they get, get out of these organizations and the last rumors that I hear is that these organizations now have so lost so many members that they asking the government for more money because they can't live off on their memberships anymore. So uh, the end of LTO is very close um, and we just uh, today... Uh, the, in the parliament of the Netherlands, the new farming coalition—it's not the parliament ready—but they were having a debate, and the biggest party, the PVV, said that in the next uh, period, if there will be a coalition, uh, the party that will has to be spoken to and has to be on the table to to discuss the farmers is the Farmers' Defense Force. Um, so it was—it sh- it shook up the agricultural uh, world quite a bit today because everybody was shocked they said those aggressive people that do protests and took a stand in the media and everywhere and they are now going to the table yes we are going to the table
0: so well, done. well i just read that the lto in the netherlands is down to thirty-five thousand members and um, based on the number of farms i recall you know reading about uh say 30 years ago they should they've probably reduced in size by a factor of meaning well, hundreds of thousands, I imagine.
1: Well, now, well, we have uh, uh, we have only fifty five thousand farms in the Netherlands. Yes. So 50, 55,000 farmers. Yes. So um, uh, LTO always is pretending to have thirty five thousand members. But the funny thing is they also have their yearbooks. So every year you can check their numbers, yeah? <laughs> and if you know what a, what a farmer is paying to the LTO to be a member, you can just calculate how many members they have. They, they can say in the media we have 35,000. Um, we are, try to be always honest about our members because why should we lie? I, we don't care. We started little and we're growing fast, so we, we are proud of this. But they are not so proud, so they say thirty five thousand members. The last time that I calculated, they had a maximum of four thousand members.
0: Yeah, well, isn't that a contradiction <laughs> and a ma- massive? Um, isn't it? Well, I I looked at the site, the number of farms you had many years ago, say say nineteen nineties, it was in the hundreds of thousands of of farms, and now you're down to fifty five. I I've, I've read that, and I, I think the same thing's happening here. Um, you know. I think people got comfortable in their in their advocacy positions, as you said, they get government funding. Um, but the biggest issue you've got, in my opinion, a bit of it, and I don't need to tell you how to operate, but is the division um, there's there is power and unity. The trouble is when you had that unified voice, the unified voice got seduced by the governments of the day and weakened themselves. You're just effectively you and others are the new kids on the block. Who are doing what farmers always thought that other group, the LTO, should be doing. Yep. That's the bottom line, and so it's just a reform. And um, so, what other groups are there in the Netherlands that are doing similar to you? I mean, I, I want to ask it as an adjunct to that. We had Terry Boudet on our show last year as well, and I see he's been harangued and harassed in in uh, his role. What is his uh, what do his politics say to you? Um, you all say you in sync with how Terry thinks because the way he spoke to us, I can sympathize with his views a lot.
1: yeah, well, uh, of course, uh, Chair Boudet is a very smart man. He's also a very good politician. so uh, yes, I, I I'm I, I very uh, I very under good under, uh, understanding very much because he's very close to the way uh, that we are thinking in the Netherlands, and he's just addressing uh, everything that's going on. But um, I think, uh, you know, every politician has his way of acting and his way of doing. And sometimes uh, it's it's very effective and sometimes it's not. Um, but you see a wave, you know, that when Cherry Bodei's party started, the Forum for Democracy, uh, he started when everybody was very angry and his party became the biggest very quickly. He was the biggest party of the Netherlands. But then there was internal trouble. Then he got uh, harassed by many, many different organizations. And finally, this led up to him uh, going down the rabbit hole and being a very small political party. Um, Now, then after that, you had the BBB. Uh, after the farmers' protest, there was a new wave of um, people that were not happy with the government. So they all searched for uh, an alternative. And the people that first voted for Cherry uh, decided, okay, let's vote for the new one. This is a wave, a constant wave of people trying to search for change. They want change and they don't care who's bringing the change, they don't care what these people are thinking. They just want change. They're unhappy. So if there is somebody that promises change, they will vote for them. And you see this with Cherry in the beginning. Now it was the BBB and the PPB uh, did it for a very long time and he was already pretty big. So all the people started to vote tactically and said, OK, if he's becoming the biggest, we are sure that things will change. So mm. I think it's working like that. It's, it's a wave of people that newcomers in politics ride on this wave.
0: Yeah. Right, and so, yeah. Look, and sorry, that's a really good angle to to come from um, uh, when you've got sort of what what appears from the other side of the planet quite an awkward political system, but we have an awkward one as well. So, um, what what next? Uh, Jos? I mean, we see the protests in other countries. Uh, they we only see them on social media, but um, they appear to be. Uh, quite activist and almost militant beyond belief um, for someone like me. I, I I don't like breaking the law, uh, but sometimes you have to be pushed into a corner to do it. And it, it appears that some of the, especially the French farmers, are really um, stepping over the mark in terms of their di- uh, disruption of the day-to-day living of people in Paris, for instance.
1: Yeah it's it's uh, sometimes when I see the footage I'm shocked as well but um uh yeah they are uh, just they are ripping open asphalt on the road with their uh tractors with their uh teeth in the road I don't know how this machine is called but they they are ripping out the asphalt they are uh, dumping manure into the the offices of the police of the everywhere they are um uh, foreign trucks actually uh, we did some research because we were shocked uh, that they they turn over the trucks coming from uh, outside of the france um they they tip them over and they they burn them um and we were shocked because we said okay what what, what happened but then we saw some footage that inside of these trucks were eggs coming from Ukraine, a non-European country, and the labels on the eggs were French labels. Oh. So the Ukraine is producing, while in war, producing French-stapled <laughs> eggs, bringing them to France and bankrupting the French farmers. So now you can imagine if you are on the road in anger by your, because you're losing your family farm you're standing there, and you you're stopping trucks, and these trucks are coming from Ukraine, a country that gets lots of money from the European Union to win the war against Putin. And then you see that they're bringing falsely stapled eggs into your country, that's bankrupting your family. So then, I'm not saying that it's a good thing to tip over trucks and to burn them, but I'm starting to understand why they are going so uh, so strongly because they are. They're seeing things that that I thought wouldn't happen, but they're happening. Um, And uh, yeah, then then if the government is trying to keep the public calm for a very, very long time, the moment of explosion will be even harder. So Macron um, kicked down many, many, many activists uh, in his country. And in the last few years, a lot of... um, um, demonstrations were uh, uh, yeah, were, were chilled out by Macron um, and, and now you can see this is the third time that it's going quite heavily in France and it's going heavily uh, bigger and stronger every time. And it, it's logical because if people want change and you don't change, you get more aggressive people. Dem- the word democracy is based on demonstration, yeah? So mm-hmm. th- they shouldn't forget this, but but they did
2: there's nothing more dangerous than, you know, absolutely desperate people. A cornered rat will bite you. And uh, we've all had leaders, I mean, right from you uh, out in Holland to Macron, to Justin Trudeau, to Jacinda Ardern, each one of them out of the World Economic Forum, Young Leaders tables, and each one of them pushing identical policies, regardless of of what they do. Uh, listeners, we are speaking to the Vice President of the Farmers Defence Force in Netherlands, Charles Ubels, who very kindly today has come for round two after five months of since we last spoke in uh, last year's September. Charles, what is next for you? I mean, I know this is peak uh, carving time. How are you guys going to manage? How are you going to keep up the momentum there? Because I can speak from a New Zealand perspective, we go out we protest for six hours we drive our tractors around city centers and we go home hoping something will change we we need to take a lesson from you but how will uh, your you guys how will you keep up momentum at this time and going well, forward farming is labor intensive you can't be away from your farms
1: too long no that's why um, as a farmers defense force look there's a lot of farmer organizations now and a lot of farmers that just go by themselves on the roads because they want to do something And we just said to them, okay, do whatever you think is necessary and what you can do, uh, everything is good, you know. If you do something, it's a good thing. If you do nothing, it's very stupid. So uh, we accept this, but if you want to keep momentum, you have to be smart. uh, Because if you just um, go on the road every day, they will get tired and eventually they say, okay, it brings nothing, let's stay home. So we decided as Farmers Defense Force that we will go one time very, very big it will be one of the biggest ever, and it will be the fourth of June in Brussels, and Brussels will be shook on their grounds for as strong as they've never met because we're going with all European countries. We're now working very hard to uh, search cooperation with all of the countries, and they are all in favor. Uh, Europe is burning hot right now. So I think we can propose the, the, the momentum to the 1st of June, because the, from the 6th to the 9th of June, we have European elections. And right. all the separate countries in Europe are now changing their governments to more right-winged parties. Mm-hmm. So we think that if we can kick Mrs. van der Leyen out of her office in Brussels, we can change the European policy as well
0: well fantastic uh uh, Jos, uh that's great great news I think you're hearing it first in New Zealand from Yos uh, ubels thank you for that because we certainly haven't heard that before and I do observe some very good um representatives from the Netherlands in the European Commission or European government um, halls so um let's hope you've got influence over them as well and uh we, we wish you well for the weeks and months ahead. And thank you for giving your time to us today on Greenwashed Round 2. Thanks, Jos. You're welcome. At RCR, we're on a mission to revive honest media, to report on critical, censored stories, and to hold those in positions of power to account. But to make this happen, RCR needs to grow and grow fast. And for that, we need your support. Our Foundation Members Club is now open. Join us today and play your part in bringing back media you can trust. Learn more at www.realitycheck.radio forward slash members and see how you can join the mission that's making a difference.